Good morning, church family. Good to see you. Good to be with you. We are in a new series on hospitality. And if that seems really weird, because you weren't here last time, I want to encourage you to uh, listen to that message. Uh, You can reach it online at our website, philida.org. You can also, there is now a new Philida Bible Church app that you can download. Yeah, it's cool. You can go to an app store, the app store, whatever store you use (laughs) for your system, and just search on Philida Bible Church and download the app. It's free, and it's a really easy way to access messages and and other information, so I encourage you to do that. Anyway, um, hospitality, as distinguished from entertaining... Uh, That's one of the things we talked about last time. True hospitality, genuine biblical hospitality, we saw, is the job description, part of the job description for every believer in Jesus. Um, Because it's through hospitality. Hospitality is one of the ways that God has given us to give other people a taste of this amazing, warm welcome that God has given us in Jesus Christ. Um, th- we, God wants us to be hospitable because he's hospitable. And it's not about entertaining, okay? So uh, that's one of the things we have to kind of get straight. It's not about a pulling off some amazing social extravaganza with, you know, amazing food and amazing decorations and an amazing house. No, it's just about making people feel welcome and wanted. Um, And we can do that. We can do that with simple food in a simple place at a simple table if we will just simply care about our guests. And and it's important. It's It's an important part of our job description as Christians. The question I want to deal with today is, how important is it, really, I mean, is this something, you know, is this, is this a have to do? Is this, because we know, we know from the Bible that there are things that are really, really important as believers. Where does hospitality fit in? I mean, is it as important as praying? Is it as important as learning God's word? Is it as important, you know, as, as telling people the good news about Jesus? Or is it kind of in a different category where we, you know, maybe like fasting, where fasting is something the Bible talks about, it describes believers doing, but it never, the Bible never really comes out and says, you have to do this. Thou shalt fast. Okay? Is, is hospitality a have to do? Or is it a, you know, nice to do, good to do kind of thing? How important is it? Well, we're going to look at a passage that's going to help us answer this question. So it's in the book of Matthew. If you have a Bible with you, you might want to open Matthew chapter 25 for first book of the New Testament. Matthew, if you don't have a Bible of your own, we'd love to give you one. Just uh, grab one out of the rack there in front of you. Matthew 25. Now, Jesus here in Matthew 25 is talking about the future when he returns, when he comes to earth again as he promised to do, when he will gather his people, 
when he will put an ultimate decisive end to evil. He will settle all accounts. Every wrong will be made right. This is a promise he has given us. So the things we're going to read, these are going to happen. Jesus promised. So here we are, Matthew 25, beginning at verse 31. He says, When the Son of Man, referring to himself, comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. Before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? Then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Would you agree with me that this is a serious passage? There are some really big things at stake here. I mean, this, this, this idea of being either a sheep versus being a goat, that is, being someone who belongs to Jesus, being one of his sheep versus being someone who doesn't, this is really the most important issue there is. And the thing... You know, it, he says, verse 46, the goats go away into eternal punishment. The sheep, the righteous go into eternal life. And the thing I want you to see here is that when Jesus describes what his sheep look like versus what goats look like, part of that description deals with hospitality, welcoming a stranger. To his sheep, he says in verse 35, For I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. And to the goats, he says in verse 43, I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. And then he says, As you did it, or didn't do it, 
to one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did or didn't do it to me. Now, the first question that comes to my mind, of course, is, well, who's he talking about? Who, who are these people that he calls the least of these, my brothers, who are fed or not fed, visited or not visited, welcomed or not welcomed, and so on? Who's he talking about? Well, there are a few possibilities, but I'll be candid, I'm not exactly sure. But I want to suggest something. I want to suggest for, the, for our purposes in trying to understand how important hospitality is, it's really not necessary that we know who exactly the least of these are because it doesn't affect our responsibility to be hospitable. It, it, it reminds me of the situation, the circumstance under which Jesus told the story of the Good Samaritan. Maybe you're familiar with that story about the, you know, the culturally despised Samaritan who has compassion and helps someone in need who's been robbed and beaten when two very respectable, very religious people passed on by. And that he told that story in response to a conversation he had with a very respectable person. And they were talking about, well, Really, what is it God expects of us? What, what is most important? There are lots of rules in the Bible. Which ones are most important? And, and the person gave the right answer and said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, that's it. That's the right answer. That's most important. But that didn't satisfy the guy. He said, well... But who's my neighbor? Who is this I'm supposed to love as, as myself? Who is that? I mean, come on. Because what he's thinking is, Jesus, I don't want to have to love everybody. Let's narrow it down here. Who exactly is my neighbor? <laughs> and then Jesus tells that story. And the answer is, you're asking the wrong question. You're asking the wrong question. Don't worry about who your neighbor is. You just be a neighbor when you have the opportunity, when there's someone with need in front of you and you have the resources to deal with it. Be a neighbor. And I think the same principle then applies to hospitality. Because if you think about it, hospitality is one of the ways we do love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I mean, don't we want people to welcome us when we're the outsider, when we're the stranger? I mean, even if you're a major introvert, okay, and I know, you don't want people making a big fuss over you. You don't like that. But even if you're an introvert and you don't want people making a fuss over you, don't you still want to feel wanted and cared for? Sure you do. Okay. Well, if we want to feel welcomed when we're the outsider, love your neighbor as yourself, well, then we need to welcome others when they're the outsider. And we already saw last time that the Bible calls believers in Jesus to extend hospitality both to strangers and to one another. So both to those who are outside the family and those who are inside the family. So I think we can safely 
set aside the issue of who exactly the least of these are and focus on something else. Focus on how seriously Jesus takes hospitality. He doesn't really treat it as an optional extra, does he? You know, as if, well, you know, this is, this is for those of you who are good cooks. These are for those of you who have nice big houses. This is for, you know, those of you who are really especially good at entertaining. No. In this story, those who welcome strangers are called his sheep. Those who don't welcome them are called goats. And the difference is the difference between eternal joy or eternal misery. Now I sense some of us squirming, and rightly so, because you might be thinking, well, wait a minute, how does this fit with the gospel? How does this fit with the gospel? How does this fit with our central message that this good news, that what makes us righteous, what makes us right with God, what makes us acceptable to Him, approved by Him, that which um, qualifies us for heaven and rescues us from judgment is not any of our good works. It's not how hard we try to be good. It's not something we can achieve by our merit. And if you know that, you might be thinking, well, this is disturbing. Why does Jesus distinguish the sheep from the goats based on their deeds? What they do? I mean, is he saying here, is he saying that, you know, if, we're, if we practice hospitality, we do these other good things, you know, feed the hungry and, and uh, visit the sick and so on. Is he saying that it's these good deeds, doing these good deeds, that's what makes us one of his sheep? That's what gets us in God's approval? No. Was that clear? No. Now, if this is confusing, please, okay, I'm, uh, please follow this carefully because the last thing I would want, honestly, the last thing I would want is for anybody to walk out of here confused about this, a false understanding of the gospel, a false understanding of what it is that makes us right with God. Okay, this is, if you don't get anything else, get this. Because the Bible is so clear about this. The Bible is so clear that it's Jesus Christ who makes us right with God on the basis of his merit, not ours. In other words, on the basis of what he accomplished, his performance, if you want to use that word, his life, his death on the cross, his resurrection from the dead, not based on 
any amount or any quality of good works that we do. It's his merit, his accomplishment. It's him. And we enter into the benefits of that. We become partakers of that. We experience that based on one thing and one thing only. Becoming connected to him and his merit by faith. By trusting, putting our trust in Him and not in ourselves and our performance. Okay, there are many, many places to see this. I'm just going to give you a sample. Galatians 2.16. We know that a person is not justified, not made right with God by works of the law but through faith, trusting in Jesus Christ. So nobody gets justified by how well you keep the law, all the good deeds you do or whatever. It's through faith in Jesus Christ. Acts 16.31 so is an interesting, I didn't put the whole passage, but basically a man falls down before the Apostle Paul and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do? And he says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's not about what you do. It's about who you trust. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. John 3.16. Many of us know this. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes, whoever trusts in him should not perish but have eternal life. There you have it. Eternal life, eternal death right there. Believing in him. 1 John 5.13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. Do you know you can know you have eternal life? You can know it. How? If you believe in the name of the Son of God. You trust in Him. And then one of the clearest places to see this, Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace, undeserved, unearned, unmerited favor, by grace you have been saved through what? Faith. Trusting Christ. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Being right with God. Being saved is a gift. It's not a result of works, so that nobody can boast. Nobody can say, I did it. I did it. I kept the rules good enough. That's boasting. God will have none of it. So that no one can boast. Okay. Well, that brings us back to our question then. If it's not based on our deeds, then why does Jesus distinguish the sheep from the goats based on their deeds? Here's the answer. Because deeds are the evidence of faith. Deeds are the evidence of faith. As the saying goes, talk's cheap, right? Talk is cheap. It's easy to say you believe, but it's what you do that proves what you believe. The very next verse in Ephesians 2. So we saw verses 8 and 9. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one would boast. Very next verse. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. Okay? 
saved by grace, through faith, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're not saved by good works. We're saved for good works. It's not the root, it's the fruit. Okay? Not saved by good works, we're saved for them. So it's our works that prove what we really believe. Good works prove that we really do trust Him and know Him. That's why. And here is what is so striking about this in, in Matthew 25 now. From, this is so striking. Did you see this? The goats are revealed. In other words, what they really believe, their true condition, their true lack of connection to Jesus. The fact that they're goats, that is revealed not by what they do, but what they failed to do. In other words, Jesus is not saying here, hey folks, you want to know what a goat looks like? Let me tell you what a goat looks like. Goats are mean. Goats mistreat people. Goats go out looking for strangers, and when they find them, they insult them, and they assault them, and they beat them up. No, he doesn't say that. Yeah, I'm sure goats do that, but that's not the point here. He's not telling us what the goats did. He's telling us what they didn't do. They didn't feed the hungry. They didn't clothe the naked. They didn't visit the sick or the prisoner. And they didn't welcome the stranger. It's what they didn't do that proved their faith was fake. So how important is hospitality? Hospitality is evidence that you really do know Jesus. That's how important it is. It's evidence that you really do know Jesus. Whoa. Okay. That might be really... Uncomfortable. That's a really dumb word, but that's all I could think of. I mean, I, if you're a, if you're if you have put your faith in Jesus and you you are a follower of Him, and and now you're seeing this that wow, there needs to be evidence of hospitality in my life, and if you're not seeing much of that, you might be thinking, whoa. What does this mean? Does this mean I'm a goat? I thought I was one of his sheep. Am I a goat? Is there any hope? Okay, I want to look at another passage that likewise stresses the importance of hospitality, but it also gives us some hope that hospitality is not 
an all-or-nothing thing. Now, I, in saying this, I, I don't want to do anything to take away from the challenge at all. So, because if that whole, you know, that passage about the sheep and the goats, if, 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 if that to you right now feels like an arrow from God straight to your heart, piercing you and saying, wow, I don't know, am I a sheep or a goat? Okay, I don't want to do anything to remove that arrow when what you need to do is you need to make sure that you're a sheep. And that's that, all those passages, they're on your sheet that we just looked at. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. So I don't want to do anything to to mitigate anybody's need to turn to Jesus if you haven't. But I know how some of us think. Some of us have this very binary Uh, I'm either a total success or I'm a total failure, black and white, either I'm hospitable totally or I'm not at all, I'm either uh, a success or I'm a failure, everything's pass-fail. And you look at your life and you you don't see the hospitality you think should be there and it's a fail. All right, we're going to look at a passage that I think helps us balance out that kind of thinking. Romans 12, verses 12 through 14. Now here in Romans 12... Really, what Paul's doing here is describing what the life of a sheep looks like, okay? In chapters 1 through 11, he's just got through explaining this this amazing, glorious explanation of all that God has done for us in Jesus Christ that we might be righteous. We might experience the righteousness of God. It's the gospel, chapters 1 through 11. Then he gets to chapter 12, and now he begins to tell us the changes God wants to make in our life. Jesus wants to make these changes in the life of his people, his, his sheep. Or to put it in the language of Ephesians 2.10, he's going to tell us those good works which God prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Now, there's many of them, but we're just going to focus on a few beginning at verse 12. He says, Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, here's something really interesting, I think. The word in verse 13 that's translated seek to show, as in seek to show hospitality, that's the very same word in the very next verse, verse 14, translated persecute. And you're thinking, what? Seek to show, persecute. Okay, here's a different word to try. It means pursue. And see, pursue, pursuing something can be good or bad depending on what you're pursuing and why. So, pursuing people to welcome them is good. That's called hospitality. Pursuing people to mistreat them is bad. That's called persecution. But it's pursuit. And it's no accident that Paul uses the very same word twice so closely together. Because the people he's writing to know what it means to be persecuted. And he is saying to them, you know how those people are going after you? How they're going after you because you believe in Jesus? I want you to go after hospitality just like that. 
that same determination. Pursue hospitality the way your persecutors are pursuing you. Now, this does a couple things. This not only uh, affirms that hospitality is important, it shows us that hospitality is a pursuit, a movement toward a goal, something we go after. So we don't need to sit here and worry so much about our past performance. We need to focus on moving ahead, being more hospitable now and in the future. That's challenging and it's encouraging to anybody who struggles with hospitality because what it means is hospitality is not automatic. It's not automatic. You have to go after it. Now that's challenging because that means I can't just be passive. I can't just, you know, hope that one day I'm going to wake up and be hospitable. I have to go after it. But see, that's also very encouraging because the fact that it doesn't just happen means I'm not a hopeless goat if I don't see as much of it in my life as I need to. It means I can and I must go after it. See, if you're hearing this command to be hospitable and that resonates with you and you think, yeah, that's right, that's right. God has welcomed me in Christ, and so I need to extend a welcome to others. I need to go after that. If that resonates with you, that means God is working in your life. Think about it. Why does the Bible have to tell us to pursue hospitality? See, some of you won't get this at all, because you're just, you know... You're just naturally outgoing. You're naturally sociable. You're natu- you just love having people over your house all the time. You're that way by temperament. You don't understand what's wrong with the rest of us. <laughs> but not everybody's like you. And you can be a sincere, genuine believer in Jesus and still need a kick in the pants to be hospitable. That's what this is. That's what this is. Paul is telling, he's writing to people that he knows. They know Jesus. They love Jesus. And he still has to tell them, hey, pursue hospitality. Pursue hospitality the way those persecutors are pursuing you. Don't be passive. Don't give in to inertia. Of the same old, same old, week after week after week after week, take some initiative. Reach out, invite, welcome the stranger the way God has welcomed you, because that's part of what it looks like to belong to Jesus. So if hospitality is scary to you, and I know it is for some, realize pursuing it means taking a step toward the target, even if it's a fairly small step. See, currently, if you're somebody, you never have anybody in your home. Because you're a mole, that's your fortress. <laughs> you know, that garage door thing, that's like the old drawbridge over the moat. You go over the moat, drawbridge up, I'm in. Safe. If that's you, pursuing hospitality doesn't mean you go from that, from nothing, to having people over your house every night, or even once a week. Pursuing hospitality at this point in your life might look like 
a few times a year maybe. If that's a stretch for you, if you're doing it because you know Jesus wants you to and you want, the, you want to rely on him more, you want the blessing of relying on him more, well, that qualifies as pursuit. For others of you, that's not a stretch. That's not a stretch for you, so it's going to look different. Maybe for you, it's once or twice a month or maybe more. I'm not trying to define it for everybody. This is between you and Jesus. What does pursuing hospitality look like for you? What will it look like for you to take a step toward the target? Now, if you were here last time, you should have got one of these, one of these handouts. And there's more out there in the lobby. If you didn't get one, be sure to pick one up. Because this explains the challenge we're presenting, we're giving to all of us uh, through this series, it's called Everyone Host One. And we're challenging everybody, if you consider yourself part of the Philida family, to host someone in your home for dessert, for a meal, who has not been in your home before. They're basically a stranger to you. And this handout gives us all some tips on making that work. Uh, whether we're the guest or the host. And you might think, isn't that kind of artificial? I mean, isn't it kind of phony? You know, you're going to go invite somebody, and they're going to look at you like, yeah, I know you're doing this just because you have to. <laughs> okay, let's don't do that. Don't do that. Think of it this way. Consider this as a kick in the pants to do the thing Jesus wants us to do. Just think of it that way. Okay, don't go there, don't do the drama thing. Because the thing is, here, here's, the, here's the reality of life. You guys know this is true. It's true for everybody. It's definitely true for me. We get so busy in our routines, our daily routines. At times, we need a kick in the pants, a challenge, if you like that word better. The Bible says, spur one another on to love and good deeds. You know what a spur does? It's a kick in the pants. It's a sharp kick in the pants. The fact is, we need challenges periodically to, to cause us to examine our priorities and to challenge us to step out a little further, rely on Jesus. See, that's what the Christian life is all about, rely on Jesus a little more. And you get comfortable with your routine, you're not relying on Jesus very much. And you need a preacher to stand up and say, hey, whatcha? <laughs> That's for me, too. This is a challenge to rely on Jesus more. Remember, if you're a Christian, you're, you're his workmanship. You were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared beforehand for you to walk in. This is one of them. I said this last time, I'll say it again. People need, need your hospitality. Hey, well, not me. Yes, you. You. People need your hospitality. They do. And I believe God wants to do some amazing things in our lives. I believe he wants to do some amazing things in our church. I think he wants to bring about some amazing blessings. Pursuing hospitality is one of the ways... 
he means to bring that about. Okay, you probably have questions. I've uh, had a few conversations this week, people saying, well, you know, my bandwidth, I, I don't see how to add this to my life, okay? Uh, someone else asked, what was that other question? Oh, can I, can, can we take somebody to a restaurant instead of bringing them into my home? Um, you know, I, I don't want to really get too much into defining that. Going to a restaurant's better than not doing anything. I still think, though, there's something about having someone in your home that builds a connection that restaurants don't. So I'd encourage you to do that. If you're worried about what your house looks like, stop it. Just stop it. Set aside that entertainment mentality. Just be real. Be who you are. It's okay. Who you are in Jesus is good enough. And get a take and bake. It works. Seriously. All right, let's pray. Uh, Father, thanks for the kick in the pants. Uh, Thank you for... Oh, Lord, your word is so clear. Hospitality is so important. Welcoming the stranger is so important. And uh, forgive us if we have not taken that seriously. Uh, Lord, help us pursue hospitality. Uh, Help those of us who are freaked out to calm down, to rely on you. Uh, Lord, we just want to be the people you want us to be. So help us with that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.